Well, good morning. I'm exciting to, excited to be continuing on in our series in Ephesians. This morning I was in the early service and I met somebody new and he said, this is my fifth week in a row at sunset and it's been a different speaker every week. And I said, well, that's kind of the way it is right here. But he, made a, he said, but it's been good. It's been good to hear that. And so I get to continue, off where Bill, continue on where Bill left off last week. And before I do that, I would like to jump into our scripture this morning, and I'll go ahead and read that. It's a longer scripture, but I think it's going to help us understand the passage a lot better if we actually read the passage before we talk about it. So read with me, please. I'm in Ephesians 1, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 13. It says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which he has given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is made plain and of the mystery hidden for ages in God. Who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be now made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you. I thought Bill did an excellent job last week expressing what a big deal it was for the gospel to be available to the Gentiles. I think we can be so far removed from an event that at times we just assume that the gospel was always available to the Gentiles. I was thinking about this last week that I remember when 9-11 happened. How many of you guys can remember when 9-11 happened? Yeah, I remember exactly what I was doing. I was working in the campus ministry here at Sunset, Um, The moment had happened when the towers had been hit. Dan Rouse, who was the preacher at the time, we were all talking about it. We even wheeled in televisions from the audiovisual room into the main office, and we were watching from the different networks what was happening. And it still is vivid for us today because we experienced those events. These young men and women who aren't here this morning because they're on their mission trip, they weren't alive when 9-11 happened. They have a different perspective of what that was going to be, what that was, and the only perspective they have is what we've shared with them. And so as we go into this, because we're so far removed, it's important for us to remember that there was a time in history when salvation wasn't for the Gentiles. Bill made a reference last week in Acts chapter 11, and um, I'll go to that right now. When Peter was going to Cornelius' house, It was such a big deal that the Jews had trouble accepting that salvation had come to the Gentiles even when something miraculous had taken place. That's why Peter had to explain his actions. 
In Acts chapter 11, verses 17 and 18, it says, If then God gave the same gift to them, the Gentiles, as he had given to us, the Jews, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in the way of God? I love their response in verse 18. It says, When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads unto life. God intends for the gospel to tear down walls, as Bill spoke about last week. The gospel tears down walls that prevent people from getting to Jesus, whether it be racial, ethnic, political, socioeconomic, or anything else. Salvation, going to the Gentiles, demonstrates the brilliance of God. If through Christ's sacrifice, God can tear down the dividing wall of hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles, it goes to show that there is no wall that the power of Christ cannot break down. Our text today begins with Paul saying, for this reason. For what reason? Well, everything Bill spoke about last week. That Christ has brought, de- brought both Jews and Gentiles near by his blood. That Christ has made both Jews and Gentiles one. That Christ has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. That Christ has created in himself one new man in place of Jews and Gentiles. That Christ has reconciled both Jews and Gentiles to God in one body through the cross. That through Christ both Jews and Gentiles have access in one spirit to the Father. As I mentioned, God is in the business of tearing down walls so that we can be built together into the dwelling place of God by the Spirit. Notice that we are being built and God is doing the building. So this reason, Paul continues so that he can share the impact of what refers to or what he refers to as the mystery. This sermon is entitled, An Out-of-This-World Mystery. And as we look into the mystery, there are three things that I would like to emphasize as we look at this text. An out-of-this-world perspective, an out-of-this-world insight, and an out-of-this-world ministry. So let's begin with an out-of-this-world perspective. Notice how Paul begins in verse 1. He says, I, Paul, a prisoner. Some translations say a prisoner, while others say the prisoner. The prisoner is probably a better translation because that is the word that is used in the original text. It also seems to fit the big purpose that God had for Paul. Remember the story in Acts 9 of of Saul's conversion? When Saul, who we know as Paul, lost his sight on the road to Damascus? God gave instructions to Ananias, and Ananias was reluctant to follow God's instructions because of Saul's reputation. Notice God's response to the concern of Ananias in Acts chapter 9, verse 15. He says, Go, for he, Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles. God intended for Paul to have a direct connection with the Gentiles from the beginning. It makes it fitting for Paul to say, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ on behalf of you Gentiles. What we see here is one bookend for our text today, imprisonment, in verse 1. Now let's look at the other bookend for our text today in verse 13. It says, 
So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. Our text begins with imprisonment in verse 1 and ends in suffering in verse 13. There is something very special here in between the two bookends of imprisonment and suffering. Paul easily could have had this woe is me attitude. I'm in prison, it's unjust, it's unfair, I'm doing this for you, but look what's happening to me because I'm what I'm doing for you. But that's not what Paul's attitude is at all. Paul refers to himself as the prisoner of Christ on behalf of you Gentiles as a badge of honor and a title that he gave himself because it fit the purpose of what God said to Ananias. Paul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles. Paul doesn't see imprisonment or suffering suffering as punishment. Rather, Paul refers to his ministry as a stewardship of the Gentiles and a grace. In fact, Paul refers to his ministry as a grace three times in our text this morning. In verse 2, and in verse 7, and in verse 8. What a beautiful perspective Paul takes on his circumstances. Instead of taking the negative downward spiral that is so easy for us to take, Paul is able to stay positive because he has an out-of-this-world perspective. There's something super important here for us. Paul is able to view his imprisonment and suffering with a positive attitude because he is able to connect his life circumstances with God's purpose. What an awesome lesson for us here. I don't know about you, but it's so easy for me to have an earthly perspective on things. Paul is calling us to have an out-of-this-world perspective, and when we connect our life circumstances to the purposes of God, it will change our attitude about the things we face in life. David, David, before he gave the shepherd's prayer this morning, he just talked about this body here can be in different life circumstances. There's some of us that are going through some very difficult times right now. Some who have lost loved ones. Some who are having job problems. Some who are having family issues. Some that are having health issues. And what Paul is teaching us from the way that he's handling his imprisonment is that his perspective changes everything. What could it be like for us when we're facing life circumstances and we choose to have a positive perspective because we can see that we're living out his purposes in our life through what we're facing in life? So Paul's out-of-this-world perspective kept him going and gave him the excitement to share the out-of-this-world insight he refers to as the mystery. Paul mentions the mystery four times in our text this morning. In verse 3, in verse 4, in verse 6, and in verse 9. Mystery is one of the top genres out there in books and movies, right? We love a good mystery. Have you ever thought about what makes a mystery so exciting? It's the process of making the unknown known. The the best mysteries out there are the ones that you're putting the clues together up until the very end and then suddenly it all makes sense. Paul says in verse 3, the mystery was made known to him by revelation as he had written briefly. Paul had already mentioned the mystery in chapter 1 verse 9. Paul also mentions in verse 5, 
that the mystery was not made known to the sons of men in other generations. Why not? Because timing is important in a mystery. Sure, the clues in the Old Testament that the gospel would be for the Gentiles as well, some pretty clear ones, like in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, or Isaiah eleven ten, or Isaiah 42, 6, or Isaiah 63, or Jeremiah 19, 6, 16, 19, sorry, Micah 4, 2, and Zephaniah 2, 11. There's probably more. We're unable to look at these passages this morning, but I mentioned them to emphasize that the clues were there while the mystery had not been totally revealed. I encourage you to look at these passages in this coming week. Paul even quotes Isaiah 49, verse 6, and Acts chapter 13, verse 47, when he and Barnabas were speaking in Antioch regarding the Gentiles. But God couldn't reveal it fully to other generations. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 7 through 8 says this. It says, But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Jesus had to be crucified, and if the mystery had been made fully known, the rulers would not have sent Jesus to the cross. Verse 5 also says that the mystery has now been revealed to his apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This is because of God's timing. It was time to make clear and let the world know. Paul's goal in verse 6 is for the mystery to be a mystery no more. If it hadn't been clear before, it would make sense now and Paul couldn't have been clearer. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs members of the same body, and partakers in the promise of Jesus Christ through the gospel. But why? Why are Gentiles fellow heirs? Why are Gentiles members of the same body? Why are Gentiles partakers of the promise of Christ through the gospel? There's a purpose behind it. In verse 10 says that the mystery was hidden so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Talk about an out-of-this-world insight. Do you get what it's saying here? God's manifold wisdom is made known through the church, through us, to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Heavenly places. Rulers and authorities not on planet earth. My tendency is for my mind to stay on planet earth and think that through the church, God's manifold wisdom is made known to presidents and kings of nations and senators and representatives and the mayor. But that's not what it's talking about. What it's saying here, the text specifically says that it's rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. There's an element of this that I don't understand, but it's clear from this letter and the rest of the New Testament as well as the Old, that what we are involved in is spiritual and not of this world. It blows my mind that God chose the church to make this this out-of-this-world insight evident in the spiritual realm. According to verse 11, it was part of the eternal purpose of God he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. It wasn't an accident. Verse 12 says, it gives us boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. 
Do you see this? The out-of-this-world insight leads us to have an out-of-this-world ministry. God opening the door for salvation to the Gentiles creates for us an out-of-this-world ministry for several reasons. First, Paul says in verse 8 that it's an, it's an opportunity to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Brothers and sisters, I think one of the best things we can do here in Lubbock, Texas is that we share the, the unsearchable riches of Christ. What does that look like? I remember years ago, I was introduced to the concept of putting in a good word for Jesus. And what is that? What it is, is in any encounter that I have with somebody, I'm going to do my very best to put in a good word for Jesus. And if I'm meeting with a cashier and in that time I put in a good word for Jesus, or if I bump into somebody as I'm going through my business and I put in a good word for Jesus, but if I begin to have that type of habit, and I'm doing it, and Josh is doing it, and Ty is doing it, and Tony's doing it, and all of us are doing that, all of, the, all of a sudden it begins to infect an entire community. And what people begin to hear is, well, whenever I talk to them, all they're doing is putting in a good word for Jesus. Whenever I talk to them, they're sharing the riches of Christ. I had the blessing in the early service this morning to meet a guy named Mario. I met him for the very first time, and I said, well, tell me your story. And he said, well, I'm a new Christian. And I said, well, tell me about that. And he said, well, I worked for Terminex, and I went to Ed Horton's house, and Ed started sharing the gospel with me. And here I am. And what I see is Ed is being an example of sharing the riches of Christ. And I think about what is that going to do for sunset in this congregation if we do the same thing that Ed's doing? If we're all sharing the riches of Christ when the exterminator comes to our house and we're sharing how good Jesus is. When we go to the supermarket and we're sharing how good Jesus is. And when we go to the auto mechanic and we're sharing how good Jesus is. What that does is when we're pouring out the riches of Christ, it allows us to do that very thing. What we did, what we did this, what does this look like? In every encounter, I'm going to share in even the slightest, something good about Christ. But the second thing, and they're both interrelated, in verse 9, it says that we have the opportunity to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery for all ages. In a nutshell, what the mystery is, is salvation coming to the Gentiles means that there's salvation for all. There's no one excluded. Before this moment, Salvation was only for the Jews, and then all of a sudden salvation comes from the Gentiles. Do we have any Jews here this morning? So raise your hand if you're a Gentile. Without the mystery being revealed, you were without hope. Brothers and sisters, this is good news. But I wonder, could it be, even, could it be that even our churches, that even in our churches... We could have the mindset that there are some unworthy of the gospel just like the Jews in the first century felt about those in the Gentiles. I'm going to read that sentence because I butchered it. I'm going to do it again. But I wonder, could it be that even in our churches, we could have the mindset that there are some who are unworthy of the gospel just like the Jews in the first century felt about the Gentiles? I think that's very important for us in this day and age. 
We may all be Gentiles, but there could be a tendency for us to feel that some are unworthy of the gospel. 1 Corinthians, 9, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10 says this. It says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But notice what Paul says in verse 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. You see, we might have the mindset that somebody who is sexually immoral or somebody who practices homosexuality or a thief or somebody who's greedy or who's a drunkard may not be worthy of receiving the gospel of God, but that is why Jesus came. That is why the mystery had been revealed from Jews to the Gentiles receiving it because God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And we can hold a grudge in our hearts sometimes, and I think that it's, it's, it's unique and it's interesting that I'm introducing this lesson in June when Pride Month is being promoted in our society. I'm not saying I agree with that, but what I am saying is they need Jesus. And they are not going to see Jesus if we deny them an opportunity and if we're not sharing the riches of Christ with them. And the thing that is so amazing to me is that in this third piece of this, that when the church is revealing this mystery to the world that salvation is for everyone, that salvation is available to everyone, it's God's way of sticking it to the demonic powers in the heavenly realms. I really thought a lot about should I say this or not. I haven't asked a few people. But I want you to think about this. God, in his manifold wisdom through the church, through us, chose that the heavenly realm should know his wisdom by saying, I'm going to use the church so that they will know whenever salvation is preached to the drunkard, to the slanderer, to the homosexual, or to whoever it is, and they become a follower of Jesus in the heavenly realms, they know they thought they won, but they've lost. And this is all what God intended from the beginning. This is the wisdom of God, and it says that it's even not even on this earth, but it's expressed in the heavenly realms. But as we mentioned earlier, God chose that through the church, through us, we demonstrate to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places the wisdom of God. I think God just laughs, saying to the demonic powers, you thought you won, but look what I am accomplishing through the church as the church shares the, unrich, the unsearchable riches of Christ. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean to you? You see that 0.2%? 0.2% is the Jewish population of the world. So had God not revealed the mystery and made salvation available to the Gentiles, what that means is 99.8% of the world is without hope. And so this mystery that's being revealed is, oh, you thought just a small group of people are going to have this salvation. No, I'm making salvation available for all. And you would think that even statistic like 99.8%, 
is, is good enough for God, but this is the thing about God, 99.8% isn't good enough. That's why he says Jew and Gentile, everybody, 100% of this world is available to receive the salvation that I have provided. But what does he say? He says it's only going to be accomplished through the church. He wants the church to get to work to share the unsearchable riches of Christ. And when the church is sharing the unsearchable riches of Christ, it provides the opportunity for them to receive the invitation of what God has for them. For this whole world to receive the salvation that God has provided for them. God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That is as true today as it was over 2,000 years ago. And he wants it for you today. The preaching team, we've been having a practice of praying together every week. And we do different prayer exercises. I could think of one week where we were down here on our knees praying for the congregation. I could think of other times when we've spread out to different parts of this auditorium and we prayed for the different sections of this congregation. Um, I could think of a special time when we started praying specifically by name people who we know who have been attending here who haven't said yes to Jesus. And we begin to just pray for them, praying, hope that this is the week. I hope this is, this is the time that they decide to say yes to Jesus and put their Lord on in baptism. And the reason why I mention that is we don't want this to just be a service where you hear a good lesson. We want this to be a service that encourages you and equips you and that it helps us be the body of Christ. It amazes me that in this passage in Ephesians that this mystery that is revealed to us, God chose to make it revealed through the church. But more importantly, as the text mentioned, to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, we want to have a spiritual effect on what has taken place in the world. There's a movie called The Mandalorian, and there's a statement that says, this is the way. Many of you guys are familiar with it. But what I would say is what God said about the mystery. He's saying this is the way and God has spoken. 